Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. Good morning, warriors. Time to start your day. I'm your host, Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors, a wisdom sharing platform for all people impacted by an eating disorder. Recovery Warriors provides resources and support to heal your relationship to food, body, mind, and soul. I believe recovery is not only possible, but it is worth it. That is why Recover Strong exists, to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder. Today, we have a conversation with community member Maria Yearsley. She struggled with an eating disorder for over 30 years before she found recovery with the help of some of Recovery Warrior's educational programs. Inside programs like the Courage Club, she opened herself up to connection and guidance to build a life of recovery. Not only did her obsession with food and body diminish, she found her voice too, and she's not afraid to use it. As a self-proclaimed people pleaser, Maria learned to embrace disagreement and healthy conflict resolution as an important part of lasting relationships. She's come so far, and not only is she living life in recovery, but she's helping others as a body image coach too. Before we dive into Maria's transformational story, I want to share the free gift that we have for you called the Daily Growth Habit. It's our private library of audio affirmations that are designed specifically for you and your struggles with food, body, and love. Only Recovery Warriors insiders can get access, and it's easy and free to become one. Just head to recoverywarriors.com habit and request a free invite. Once you do, you'll be able to listen to the Daily Growth Habit affirmations directly from your podcast player anywhere, anytime that is convenient for you. We add in new affirmation tracks every new moon and full moon. The latest affirmations are focused on building resilience around facing the unknown and embracing uncertainty with confidence. Once again, to get in on this special gift only for Recovery Warriors insiders, go to recoverywarriors.com slash habit to sign up. I put the link in episode notes below. And also in the episode notes below is the link to the listener survey. Thank you to everybody who's filled it out and to up the ante on getting you to just dedicate five minutes to sharing your insights on the show so we can help it grow and improve and serve you even more. Everybody who has submitted their survey and anybody who submits the survey in the future will be put into a raffle to win a 45-minute soul strength strategy session with me. Now, I will be choosing two lucky winners every month. And so if you put your survey in once, you are going to continue to be included in the raffle every month as I draw two new winners to a soul strengths strategy session with me. These strategy sessions are really focused to helping you see your strengths, weaknesses, and what holds you back from recovery from an eating disorder. So fill out that survey below, grab your free access to the daily growth habit, and you are all set up. Without further ado, let's get into this inspiring interview with community member Maria Yearsley. Welcome to the show, Maria. I'm so happy to have you here to talk about your journey. And I just feel so grateful to be a part of your process and see your world change from all the hard work that you've put in. 
<laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, and it's just a, it is just a privilege to be here. I've, you, you've helped me so much so yeah thank you thank you I'm excited <laughs> I remember back to one of our first coaching sessions it was like a group coaching session and we were talking about the ice cream do you remember that where yeah. it was like yeah. you were, <laughs> and you were just like I don't know I feel like I, I'm sneaking it when my partner's out oh yeah ice cream was was my my nemesis when I was a little girl I was one of five children and I was one of the younger ones and I had a brother, I must have been sort of five or six years old, and I had a brother who was six years older. And my mum used to go to like the cash and carry um, and get sort of, you know, bulk buy food. And she would bulk buy ice cream in these huge tubs. <laughs> and I remember coming down, we used to wake up early, you know, as you do, at, you know, five or six o'clock or whatever when you're a kid. And my mum, you know, the ice cream was just in the freezer. And, um, my brother, who, like I say, was sort of six years older than me, just had this huge bowl of ice cream. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, mum's asleep. We can just eat the ice cream. <laughs> ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> and, and yeah, we never got busted. And I don't know, I don't know whether that was just like total sort of, wow, <laughs> the ice cream, it's just, it's there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That was how it starts. <laughs> well, a lot of times the foods that we reach to for comfort actually have some origin story like to our youth or whether it was a positive one, a positive memory or some a negative association, but they can there is often parallels with that. Even then it was, you know, yeah, it was because I used to like hide behind the curtains, I would, you know, it's the patio window. So we had like these full length curtains and I'd hide behind the curtain with this bottle of ice cream, you know, definitely something that, you know, later, you know, later in life, it's like, oh my God, hiding, eating ice cream. How symbolic, right? Because then you're hiding from your partner. That was the thing. You're like, I feel like I have to do this in secret. Yeah. And they, yeah. yeah. And so what's your relationship to ice cream now? Um, you know what? It's, it's really good. I, when I start connecting with Lizette, with the Courage Club, and you know, we sort of, you know, there's so much support there, and, and sort of having other people is just to talk to is just amazing. And I'd said in my gratitude one day, you know what, I ate ice cream yesterday, and I just ate ice cream, and, and it wasn't a binge, and it wasn't anything. It was like I just had one bowl of ice cream, and I think I put, I thought at one point, oh, I might have more ice cream, and then I didn't, and I was like, wow. And um, Lizette said, oh, you know what? That's really great. But what if there was, like, no limit to the – what if you were allowed to eat all the ice cream? You know, what if you were allowed a second bowl? What if it didn't matter? And I guess she's sort of coming from the, you know, the intuitive eating with the, the good and the bad and getting rid of all that. And I'd never seen that from – I'd never sort of looked into intuitive eating properly and I'd never sort of thought of it from that perspective before of being, well, actually you are allowed. It's not that you've just got a white knuckle and only have this much. Like, you know, you, you can choose yourself. It's just, it's so helpful to have permission because then it's not this, like you're saying, like this white knuckle and you're at war, like I can't, I can't, I can't. And then little like angel devil, like even though th that's the thing is like to demoralize the food, there is no moralization of like the devil and the angel. It's like, well, can I just give myself permission to eat it? And then it loses that tension 
yeah yeah and learning that and moving into that yeah that whole remit of I I am just I I trust myself you know I can trust myself I'm, I'm allowed and I can make those decisions and whatever happens is okay has been huge hugely transformational yeah I like when I think about the origin of the word confidence, it means intense trust. So when you start to trust yourself around food, because knowing that, okay, I have permission and this food is not stronger than me. I don't have to willpower myself to you know stop or start around it. And then that's where you get confidence around food, which means then you start to feel like you can be in situations and trust your your hunger, trust what you need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's 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 radical, really. <laughs> you know, when I think it's taken me to you know to this point in my life, sort of, yeah, just I can trust myself. <laughs> yeah, I notice now there can still be days as I'm sort of trying to, you know, just spend some time now learning the sort of whole intuitive eating thing and getting used to that. There's there are days when I can be having a tough day and my head will go to the food and I can, it's not that that completely has completely disappeared for me, but it's that I can recover from it so quickly, like straight away, you know, or not straight away, but within a few hours, you know, I'm sort of straight away and thinking there's a reason I'm doing this. Okay. Am I stressed? Am I tired? you know, what's gone on, have I fallen out with, you know, my other half, have I been too busy at work? And I can kind of just trace back and diagnose it really, really quickly and get back on track really, really quickly, you know, just get myself to to reset, take a breath, do the self-care that I need to do, and I'm back on track. And that is so formidable for me. It's so... You know, even though in the moment, you know, you can be in the moment and the moment can be horrible and the moment can be, oh, my God, am I still here? You know, but it is so fleeting. And this is what I'm sort of loving about recovery now is that I know it can only get better from here. You know, this it dwindles all the time. And that's just so it's almost like exciting to have a bad day. It's like, oh, I'm going to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, it's so inspiring. Yes, it's but it's true. It's this idea around spiraling up and like these little falls where you start to like notice, oh, I crept back into that. But self-awareness and self-compassion can lift you up. So it's almost like instead of falling down on the ground, all fours spread out, face plant, you like almost trip and you catch your fall. You're like, whoa, <laughs> I almost fell. Okay, but here I am still running or still walking or still moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> well, I remember when you were first uh, when we first start when you joined when you first joined the Courage Club. Well, you said you you and your partner were hoping to have a baby together. So this is like already you're kind of having this desire, and you'd feel less afraid of pregnancy with a proper grip on your eating disorder. So I'm curious to know how has it been with the eating disorder? Because obviously your body changes. Do you feel like? being in a stronger place first was helpful to to adapt yeah absolutely absolutely so i had actually had a couple of miscarriages sort of 2019 and then january 2020 so 
and that had sort of affected my recovery a bit as well you know these big things in life tend to and I joined the courage club I remember sort of thinking you know I didn't sign up for partial recovery I'm gonna you know I need to focus on this now so learning so many techniques was was really powerful to when I had my first two girls I was in my 20s and I was very much in the food and I found my pregnant body really really hard to accept it was bigger it was lots of the circumstances were were wrong you know I wasn't the right person I was probably a bit young just sort of emotionally in terms of where I was at at the time and it was it was hard and it was hard to accept myself you know it's hard to accept my body and my changes and the fear has still kind of just just been there a little bit but I've had so much more appreciation so much more compassion so much more love for my body I've got into um doing more yoga as well the yoga kind of has just sort of kept me balanced and I've loved that I want to really keep it up because it's it's like internal strength yoga is just amazing you know I was sort of always used to you know be I don't know when I would exercise before just so much more dynamic and strength training or weight training or whatever as though there was like an external threat, you know, as though it's like trying to, I don't know, box or punch or, I don't know, cartwheel, cartwheel my way out or something. <laughs> <laughs> and with the yoga, there's something about the mind and the needing the strength and the concentration and the breath. And that is what you need in recovery, isn't it? You know, it's the, okay, this is an internal battle and the yoga is helping me gain strength into you know from the inside out so all these all these yeah just beautiful things about recovery that i've been able to use and help me so yeah yeah i remember you talking about overexercising being like your mode of compensation and something that you felt we talked a lot about the masculine feminine principles and how you felt very masculine like you just wanted to like lift more and like yeah. get more like strength yeah. and tone almost like you were like like you're saying building yourself up to fight for something or building yourself like protection in that sense and yoga is much more about that feminine embodiment really like tuning into the sensations and the slow movements and has that allowed you to kind of embrace more of your your femininity in, in the sense of allowing and being and trusting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that feminine. When when I sort of stop and think, there is something, I don't know, I think it's because I had a big brother six years older. You know, there's something about the weights that <laughs> I don't know appealed. And there's something about that. And even now, like I really like watching World's Strongest Man and stuff. <laughs> But um, yeah, like you say, the yoga is just so graceful and so much, yeah, just just soothing and feminine and fluid and yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that I want to move forward and explore moving my body in that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> graceful and fluid are such good words for that because it is, it's like you can almost bring that same energy into your day where you're just 
flow through it and not let too much tension, like breathe through the tension in a way, right? If you're ever in an asana that feels like, oh my God, this is really hard. They're like, don't hold your breath, breathe through it. And that same awareness to any difficult emotions to just breathe through it and not bottle it up and hold them in. Oh, the breath is so powerful, but it it is shockingly powerful. And I remember when I first went into recovery and my therapist saying to me, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, teach some breathing techniques and I'll teach you, you know, uh, I don't know, just sort of these things that that now are so vital to me. And at the time just thinking, what? (laughs) I can't breathe. (laughs) As if I have a moment to stop and breathe. Um, and think about my breath it was just so alien and now it's just like wow breathing is just wow (laughs) who would have thought breathing could make you feel so much calmer (laughs) I know there's so much research out there and like it's on the cover of so many magazines like meditation it works mindfulness it works and then it's like yeah "Yeah, but I don't have time for that yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm looking for solutions because I have a lot of problems, and but I'm not going to do that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is priorities, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And it it, it comes. I, I think with recovery, my when I first went into recovery, and I I first got help from from my therapist and from um, the NHS. There was lots of sort of little, there was sort of obviously the practical things that we had to, to address, you know, the restriction, the over-exercising, the binging and trying to do that. And she would always say to me, okay, you know, well, how, how have we been this week? How, how have you been with your food? And And if I'd been really struggling with it, you know, she would always say, okay, what's going on in the background? You know, it's not about the food this week. The food is so intense this week. It's clearly not about the food. You know, perhaps you've eaten properly. You've, you know, we've kind of tried to eliminate all the practical things. Something big is going on. You know, then it'd be like, oh, well, you know, something's happening. I was sort of getting divorced at the time and separated from my husband. And there was always something, you know, going on that was just sort of, oh, my God, you know, just so pervasive. And, again, I think talking about white-knuckling it before, you know, when I'm at a point where, you know, if I ever got to a point where I was like, I need to white-knuckle this, it was like, no, something else is going on. Right now, you just need to have compassion that, your food is, you know, in your body and, and these thoughts are somehow trying to protect you from something. What's it trying to protect you from now? And let's try and figure that out. And once we figured that out, the food will get easier um, and the and that will start to subside. So that sort of initial part of my recovery, I had to work through a lot of things with, with my therapist there. And it was only sort of later, once all those things had sort of started to subside that I could then sort of start to like say focus on the breath work focus on yoga focus on gratitude and all the little bits of self-care because I had the headroom for it um yeah I think it surprised me it surprised me how much of that that work affected me how much of that soul work you know I remember you always talked about you know sort of food body soul mind 
yeah, how important that soul work was, certainly in first recovery. And, you know, sort of trying to get back on track with the food as much as I could, but then seeing how the soul work, like I say, interfered, how that was the biggest thing that was holding me back. I mean, I truly feel like the biggest thing is when we're out of integrity with our own soul or our own value system, which is often when you're acting out with food and whichever behavior it is, that is when the soul suffers. So it's hard to go to that soul and work with it when you're in such a disconnect from it because so it is almost like mending that, that integrity of confidence, right? Finding that intense trust in yourself again, little by little by little, moment by moment by moment, meal by meal by meal. Yeah. And again, I think that soul work unraveled as well. It took a long time to unravel. There were times sort of in the moment, like I say, in first recovery, when there were sort of practical day-to-day things that I needed to unravel. And then bigger things that have unraveled over the last sort of, since this sort of first started. It is interesting. It's not about the food though. Like, (laughs) because I think a lot of people come in early stages of therapy and like everything is just about like, let's just talk about the food this week. Let's, I just want to talk about the food because that's like, if I could fix the food, I could, I can be healed. And that's like, then I'm done because that's what I want to do. I want to fix the food. But it's like you're saying what you started to realize is like, no, I'm going through a divorce right now. Like I have two (laughs) young girls and I'm going through a divorce and this is not what I was expecting and I'm taking it out on on like food in my body right now and seeing seeing the deeper truth yeah and I I really liked reading eating in the light of the moon Lisa Johnson and her metaphor of the log you know you're running through the the river and you grab onto the log which is you know the metaphor for the eating disorder and holding onto this log to protect you from something it is a really powerful one. It's because you grab onto the log when the river's unruly and you are, you, the currents are strong and you could be pulled under. And so that is your life support. It is something that can help you. But then once you pass that turbulence and now you're no longer in that, let's say that childhood dynamic or the divorce or whatever transition can really prompt feeling that turbulence in your life. Well, now you're in this calm water and you really don't need the log anymore, yeah. but you still got it. You're still holding on to it like you do. Uh, and yeah, I think it is a good metaphor. Like, because she mentions like slowly stepping away from it. Okay, going back to it because you're scared, and then eventually making it to the the shore where all your friends are. Yeah. <laughs> Come hang out with me. <laughs> Have you found that you're more social now and just more open to connection with people and your partner and friends, family? Yeah, the, the, I think I'm, you know, I'm technically introverted. Um, <laughs> so technically, you know, I, I'm pretty sort of instinctively introverted. But I kind of, I've always had this sort of, I remember doing my, my sort of personality, you know, Myers-Briggs test. I said, oh, you're introverted, but people might think you're extroverted because you like to make sure everybody's okay and in a conversation you'll tend to you know try and make sure the other person's okay what what is what's interesting for them what are they enjoying and 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 there's lots and lots going on in your head when you have a conversation thinking 
what's their response? What are they thinking? What's my next question going to be? And people can think you can be extroverted and very animated, but actually there's a lot going on in your head and you get quite exhausted and you need to recharge internally. You, know, you need a rest to recharge from that. But, and I think as well, you know, just sort of being in the food as well just made everything so much more intense. You're so hyper alert to, or I was anyway, just hyper alert to how I was coming across, what people thought of me, how, I don't know, how my body looked when I was sitting down or standing up or which side of the face, (laughs) everything. And being able to just kind of, I don't know, step away from all that and not have all of that in my head anymore just makes everything so much easier. Just conversations, socializing, yeah, friendships and, yeah, and, and, and finding my voice generally as well. I mean, you know, with Simon now, my partner, I just, I, I have my voice now. You know, this is one of the biggest things you know, in recovery, being able to to speak and use my voice and have my own sort of opinions on things. It's okay to have my own opinions on things. I don't just have to sort of people please. And, you know, Simon now, you know, <laughs> if I don't agree with it, I'll tell him straight away, you know, everything sort of, I don't know. And it makes the relationship so much stronger because yeah, I'm not just sort of, you know, nodding and smiling, and which, which in my first marriage, that's what I was doing. You know, I was kind of, I was still this person that was just sort of trying to to keep safe and don't quite know what from, but you know, I was sort of trying to just, yeah, be the good girl, and I wasn't assertive enough or speaking my mind. And I think my ex husband got quite a shock when you know I started to to find my voice and and. You know, and I look back now and I think, God, there was an awful lot that we didn't agree on. Or that now I think with my ex you know, God, we don't agree on very much. Like, we get along and, you know, he was a great dad, you know, and he was my best friend for a really long time. But there's a lot that we, we don't agree on. But we never argued when we were married because that was who I was then. You know, I couldn't, I didn't have my voice. I just sort of smiled and nodded and and that was just what I was trying to be whereas now with with Simon yeah and I, I tell him straight away if I'm not happy you know about it straight away and um probably fall out a lot more but but it's so much stronger you know we know he knows where I'm at I know where he's at I think <laughs> well he's with the real you like he's getting that authenticity is gold and and when you don't express your truth, then it eats away at you, right? So then that's when the eating disorder can often come in because it's a way to to divert. Yeah, absolutely. I think, God, there's so much truth in that. You know, I think you do the, the relationships or, or when you don't have your voice, it's so hard. There's so much going on to try and protect yourself somehow or it's it's so hard to form relationships. It, it it is. It's when when you're in your head and you you yeah. 
in a way, the eating disorder becomes a relationship. That's why some people like the idea of like the where you divorce your eating disorder or you like have to, but it, you can think about an eating disorder as an externalization of like a relationship you're in. And so when you are with your partner and that's not going well, well then you turn to this other relationship. So then you can be in this abusive relationship with yourself. I mean, beating up on yourself, which is very common, right? The eating disorder is exhausting. Yeah. It's just like thinking about like you're in a fight. Like think if you're literally in a physical fight, that'd be exhausting, right? Like you'd be exhausted. Look at boxers. They don't like walk out of that ring. Like they're exhausted, exhausted. After like, they're, they're such a short matches too. It's like yeah. <laughs> less than like a minute and they're like super exhausted, throwing water in their faces. That's like angel. You're like beating up on yourself all day. Like, of course, you, it's, it's exhausting. And then you have no time to then fight the real fight with the the partner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's and it and I think it can feel safer to have that fight with yourself mm-hmm. than to have the external fight. To have it externally, it's um, yeah. It's a good point, right? Because it's safer. Because you can control, I mean, because you don't know there's vulnerability and get, and we often medic think fight, oh, bad, but actually like that's, it's good to get things out in the open to make sure that you're on the same page or that you guys can work through it. And, you know, the research that I've read a lot about like really healthy long marriages that last is ones where people, they fight, they actually argue a lot. There's conflict in them and there's, Sometimes it's unresolvable conflict because there's just disagreements upon basic views. But if you stuff it down and you don't even share your view at all and you just accept their ideologies and their views, then you're truly not being authentic. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, You kind of, I guess, amazing sort of, yeah, I want to run away from any conflict external conflict and I guess as well I think you know growing up in in a family with five kids you know everybody was always like oh falling out and oh I just hated it and because I was a little one as well because I was you know the fourth out of five um and my younger brother had special needs actually so I was kind of the you know we'd have arguments and I'd always lose you know or even like physical <laughs> you know fallouts with my big brother and I always lose and I think just sort of growing growing up you know thinking about it now I probably just hated the conflict and I always try to avoid it. Yeah, whereas now, like I say, now I have my voice and, and I can I can fall out with Simon, but equally I know we can we can work on it, you know. He knows my weaknesses, I know his weaknesses, we know one another's strengths and and it's so important. I'd far rather, you know, have that and, and fall out more often, but at least we we get over it and we resolve it, and then sometimes we come back to the same thing again. We've been here before. <laughs> okay, what did we do last time? How do we get over this? Yeah, we we fell out in a week, and um, I make it sound like we fall out all the time. We, we don't. We have such a great such a great relationship, and I'm so lucky to have a, a second chance at it. But we fell out in the week, and it was almost predictable. Simon had got really stressed, and one day and the next day because I'd sort of tried to help him and he was too stressed and he, he couldn't take it on and the next day I I was fed I was like I tried to help you yesterday and you were just 
grumpy so the next day I was really grumpy and he was kind of calm and then it took us to like day three before we you know I'd sort of reset my set myself he'd reset himself and we were like yeah we've been here before we need to try and get over this quicker <laughs> but it, it was predictable we knew one another and we knew this is how you respond and this is how I respond you know you you get cross I internalize you internalize <laughs> it's just but knowing that is kind of reassuring as well, you know, because it's, I don't know, we know it, we know one another and it's okay. We can move on from it. Yeah. And that feels, that feels good. But if the conflict never happens externally, then it happens within. I think that's what I've gathered from this conversation with you, right? Is that when then you create the battle within, which is often then let me create some issue in my life. Let me draw it all upon some inanimate object or my physical body, inanimate object being food. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that that day in the week when I was in a grump, I did, I, I was, I was, you know, totally conscious of my body, totally conscious of my food, of how much I was eating. And then I knew, <laughs> I know when I'm going to the field, I'm like, okay, what is it? <laughs> okay, so I'm now full now. Why have we fallen? Okay. <laughs> and then like I say, you know, sort of work through it. And yeah. And and like I say, it's kind of, you know, gradually training my brain and noticing every time I've gone to the food. Oh, why have I gone to the food? Am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I internalizing something that I need to externalize and talk to somebody about? And yeah, and I spot it. I spot it so much faster, and I move on from it so much faster. Like Maria, what is really going on right now? Yeah. <laughs> and I do want to just say for anybody who's like, well, I don't have a my, like my I have not enough relationship, and so the conflict. I feel like this conflict, what we've been talking about, this can go down to inner conflict conflicts you've had from early childhood that have never been like you've never allowed yourself to express it verbalize, have that, you know, I, I really think a huge thing in recovery is starting to own your voice. Like that is when your power starts. It's like Little Mermaid. She owns her voice and then comes back to her and she's like, oh, <laughs> just, <laughs> then her life just starts to unfold in a much better way. Yeah, it does. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And finding my voice and, and yeah, it's okay to have a voice. Like nothing bad happens. <laughs> Not really anyway, you know. Like whatever comes from finding your voice, you win. I think there's no, in a conflict, there's really no winners or losers at the end, but you lose if you don't stand up and exert, exert your voice or, you know, share your opinion. I think assertiveness is so important. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because you have to, you have to be okay with you to be able to help other people. You know, I see it as, you know, with my children, if I'm having a bad day, <laughs> then I can't be a good mum, you know. I need to make sure I'm okay. I need to make sure, well, aside from the whole fuel and, you know, make sure I'm fed and, and not too tired and everything else. But I need to be okay before I can help my children, before I can help other people at work, before I can – because otherwise it's not coming from a place of authenticity, if that makes sense. It's – you're giving, you can't give more, you can try and give more. And for a long time, you know, I tried to give more than I could. That was kind of who I sort of was in eating disorder and for a really long time. But 
it builds up like this resentment and bitterness and you know you're not truly at peace you need to have your own cup full to be able I think you know I do too. To, to help other people yeah it's a recipe for burnout like you said like bitterness and resentment because it's like after a while you're like but what about me? Like, but then it's even hard to receive at that point because you're no, you you've just trained yourself to always give, give, give. That that reciprocation of receiving can feel so foreign or out of, you know, uh, like I don't even know how to like sit and and receive. Yeah. Uh, I'm so busy doing as opposed to being and receiving. That's such a good point. Uh, yeah, I've loved I love this conversation, Maria. And we are kind of getting to the end, so I do want to wrap it up with a couple questions here. What has been the most important things for you to learn to get you to the next level of your recovery? The most important thing, I think, is to, I want to say, like, shine a light on shame. You know, when I'm feeling internalized I'm usually feeling shame about something whether it's you know on the sort of higher level food or body or whatever or something deeper that I might need to explore and shining a light on that by talking to people whether that's other friends in recovery whether that's Simon whether it's you know whoever it might be just helps me know I'm not alone and helps me know I don't have to internalize I don't have to go back to the ed voice I am okay <laughs> and I can deal with this in a healthy way. Yeah, so just constantly when I'm feeling that shame, that internalization, whatever it might be, yeah, shine a light on it. That's great. That's one of the most important things with building shame resilience is to be able to talk about it. Makes a big difference. How has compassion served you in recovery? Compassion has really been about it's been about finding my self-compassion, you know, where I've not had that for years, you know, for a really, really long time. I never really sort of, you know, I had this battle with myself, with my food, with my body, with whatever it was. And that, you know, not being compassionate with myself, always just pushing myself, come on, come on, Marie, we've got to try harder. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. And just stopping and be like, my body's amazing, <laughs> you know. This is just having that that self-compassion and learning to treat myself with, with self-compassion and learning, like I say, that that, is, that has to come first because then I can, my cup's full, and then I can show compassion to other people. Yeah. Yeah, self-compassion is setting boundaries sometimes, you know, like saying like, I can't give anymore right now because I'm, I'm noticing I'm feeling depleted, like I need to take care of myself. Well, I'm so proud of you, Maria. And oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's I was such a privilege to be invited on the show. Honestly, I just, yeah, yeah. And, and just everything I've experienced with, with, with you in so many different ways that you've helped with, you know, with podcasts, with classes, with articles, with the app, with, with everything on the Sea Recovery Warriors has just been huge, so instrumental in my recovery and, and thank you so much for for building it all and, and making it possible. Oh. Thank you so much. It's a privilege. You're welcome so much. And I love being able to see how it helps people and how much it's helped you.
Thank you, Maria Yersley. You can connect with her on Instagram at Body Image Coach. I'll put the link down below in the episode notes. Now, let's go over three key takeaways from this conversation to help you recover strong. Key takeaway number one, give yourself permission to eat. Ice cream was Maria's proverbial forbidden fruit. She was always longing for it and trying to resist. When she did eat ice cream, it was in secret binges. It was a constant tug of war in her mind, and she held onto the rope so tightly. She was white-knuckling it as she got jerked back and forth. After Maria connected with others in recovery and learned more about intuitive eating, she discovered that unconditional permission to eat was the way to free herself from the tug of war. But what if there was no limit? What if you were allowed to eat all the ice cream? You know, what if you were allowed a second bowl? What if it didn't matter? And I guess she's sort of coming from the, you know, the intuitive eating with the the good and the bad and getting rid of all that. And I'd never seen that from... I've never sort of looked into intuitive eating properly and I never sort of thought of it from that perspective before of being, well, actually you are allowed. It's not that you've just got a white knuckle and only have this much. Like, you know, you, you can choose yourself. You can choose yourself, not food rules, not diet culture, not your eating disorder, you. Whether you restrict, binge, or cycle through both, give yourself unconditional permission to eat. You just might find that your grip loosens on the tug-of-war rope you're holding onto so tightly. And eventually, you can drop the rope and walk away from the battle altogether. So that is key takeaway number one, give yourself permission to eat. Key takeaway number two, change your response to eating disorder thoughts. For most people in recovery, eating disorder thoughts won't go away completely, especially not earlier in the recovery process. It can be disheartening to feel like you're making progress and taking steps towards recovery, but the eating disorder thoughts and feelings and behaviors keep coming up. This is completely normal. You can expect this to keep happening. The good news is that the thoughts and feelings are not a problem in and of themselves. What matters is how you respond to them. Maria shared how she changed her responses to triggers and setbacks. There are days when I can be having a tough day and my head will go to the food. And it's not that that completely has completely disappeared for me, but it's that I can recover from it so quickly. Within a few hours, you know, I'm sort of straight away and thinking there's a reason I'm doing this. Okay, am I stressed? Am I tired? you know, what's gone on? Have I fallen out with, you know, my other half? Have I been too busy at work? And I can kind of just trace back and diagnose it really, really quickly and get back on track really, really quickly, you know, just get myself to to reset, take a breath, do the self-care that I need to do, and I'm back on track. You know, even though in the moment, you know, you can be in the moment and the moment can be horrible and the moment can be, oh my God, am I still here? You know, but it is so fleeting. And this is what I'm sort of loving about recovery now is that I know it can only get better from here. Instead of falling down when slip-ups happen, Maria learned to catch her falls and keep moving forward. Sometimes the triggers and harder moments make you feel like you're spinning in circles, always coming back to the same challenges and behaviors. But if you take a step back from the circle, you just might see that you're actually spiraling upwards. Think of a spring. If you look at it directly from above, it looks just like a circle. But if you shift it and look at it from the side, you'll see that there are many rising layers to it. 
starting from the bottom and circling upwards. This is recovery. You are spiraling upwards. Changing your response to triggers and using self-compassion is what moves you up along the spiral rather than continuing to spin in circles. Keep practicing this and you will continue to level up. That was key takeaway number two, change your response to eating disorder thoughts. Finally, key takeaway number three, you can't pour from an empty cup. Maria was a people pleaser. For so long, she was running on empty, trying to be there for others and silencing her voice at the expense of her own well-being. In recovery, she learned that she needs to take care of herself first before she can be there for others. You have to be okay with you to be able to help other people. You know, I see it as, you know, with my children. If I'm having a bad day, then I can't be a good mum. You know, I need to make sure I'm okay. I need to make sure, well, aside from the whole fuel and, you know, make sure I'm fed and, and not too tired and everything else. But I need to be okay before I can help my children before I can help other people at work before I can because otherwise it's not coming from a place of authenticity you can't give more you can try and give more and for a long time you know, I tried to give more than I could that was kind of who I sort of was in eating disorder and for a really long time but it builds up like this resentment and bitterness and you know you're not truly at peace you need to have your own cup full to help other people You need to fill your own cup before you can help other people. You can't effectively be there for anyone if you're stressed, breaking down, and running on empty. And it's not selfish. Putting your own needs first is actually the most generous thing you can do if you value being there for others. It's how you ensure that you are the best version of yourself. You will benefit and so will everyone else around you. You can't pour from an empty cup. So these are our three key takeaways from this conversation with Maria Yearsley. Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion like the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this warrior. 